This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Well, we are going to continue with part two of our series, Energized. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, and I'll get there in just a second. Uh, I just have a couple announcements before we get started with our message today. Um, I mentioned this last week, um, but I want to mention it again. Um, next Sunday, our, our new student uh, ministries pastor will be here with us. Um, I, as I mentioned last week, we actually hired him back in January or offered him the job back in January, but he was finishing his fourth year up at Bible school. So we wanted to, him to stay in school and finish school. And so he graduated uh, Bible school a couple weeks ago. He got married a week ago. He's just finishing up his honeymoon. Um, and him and his new wife, they were going to Bible school in Portland. Um, he's Canadian. She's American. Uh, so we're all for that. And so they're going to be... <laughs> They're going to be driving across the country, and they will be here next Sunday, uh, and I'll bring them up on the stage and introduce them to you. But we want to make sure that we make them feel part of our family, so they're going to have a lot of names to know and memorize, so make sure you come and greet them next Sunday with a smile, and uh, welcome them, hug them, and uh, they, we want to make sure they feel a part of our family right from the beginning. Amen? And also, I wanted to add my voice to Ellen's voice uh, regarding having some of the men, the dudes, the fellas, to help to sign up to serve uh, the women of our church coming up on Saturday, uh, June the 10th for our women's meeting. So there's a couple different categories of guys. So all of you guys out there that have uh, young children, you're not available because you're going to be parenting that day. You're not going to be babysitting. You're going to be parenting because your wife is going to be here. And then maybe there's some guys that are either, you know, Mary, you don't have any children yet. You're available. Uh, any grandfathers out there, you know, you're available if, if somehow maybe your daughter and or son hasn't got you babysitting or grandparenting that day, you're available. And then there's one category of men that is for sure available on Saturday, June 10th, and it is single men. Guys, put down the Xbox controller and come and serve the women of our church. And here's the benefit of it. There will be some single women at the ladies' events. And you can be like, all the single ladies, put your hands up. And you never know. <laughs> You're going to be able to sculpt the room and check for rings. Because there are some available women at our church. So single guys, you are for sure available. So come and sign up. You can sign up at the Red Corner after service and serve the women of our church. Can I get an amen? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so we are continuing our series today that we have called Energize. And really the series is about um, us as individual Christ followers, as being a part of the church, um, doing and obeying the things that God has called us to do as um, people of the church. When we follow Jesus, not only do we follow Jesus, but God calls us his church. And uh, it's not something that we should do alone. There should be no such thing as a lone wolf Christian. When we follow Jesus, God also invites us into his church, into the mission of his church. So we shouldn't be um, off on our own, never being a part of a local community. That when we get to be uh, a part of a local community, that we all come from different backgrounds and different places, but what we all have in common is Jesus. 
that we follow Jesus. And like I said, a couple years ago, you know, we did a, a mini survey about how many different nationalities represented uh, in our church. We have, a couple years ago, we had 51 different nations represented in our church. And so that's amazing. That's what heaven is going to look like. And so when we gather together, we have differences. We have, ba- you know, different backgrounds, different ways of doing things, different uh, ways to think. But what brings us all together is Jesus. And the church is the Jesus community. It is uh, something that we get to be a part of. We get to be part of a local body, a uh, small C church, which is a big part of the church universal, the big C church. And uh, when we get together um, as the church, there's certain things that God has called us to do, certain things that he wants us to do. And when we do those things, we will be energized by the spirit of God because these are the things that God calls us to do. And we know this is true in life when we, um, when we invest uh, in certain areas, we know that we get things back. For example, emotionally, when we invest into relationships, when we invest love, when we invest friendship and affection to others, that we will get that back. When we invest a good attitude, uh, we bring a good attitude uh, to the workplace or to our family life, we know that we can also experience that back. And in the same way physically... When we give out physically, when we're struggling sometimes uh, for physical energy, uh, sometimes, you know, we just might need a good night's sleep. But most of the time, we know that when we exercise or we lift some weights or we go for a run or we go for a walk, we know when, when we invest energy that we receive energy back. And the same is true in the church. When we involve ourselves as individual church members and as uh, a corporate church, as a, a church family, when we invest in the things that God calls us to do as part of the church, that we will be energized when we do those things. So last week we talked about worship and how important worship is for us as individuals and then us as a church community, that we uh, love God, that we give our affection to God, that he is on the throne of our lives, he is at the centerpiece of our lives. And then another thing that we're going to talk about today is relationships, that God wants us to have growing uh, relationships. In other words, friendships that we have, that we can uh, receive strength and we can receive inspiration and we can receive challenge, but then it's also something uh, that we can give back to others. So let's read here in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, the context of these verses is Jesus is talking to his disciples and his disciples are telling him, you know, that he's... Some people think that you're Moses and you're, you know, prophets from the Old Testament. And you're this and that and the other. And then Jesus asks his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter answers back, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And then Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says this in verse 17. Jesus came back. God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven God himself let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you are, really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church. A church so expansive with energy, not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. So this, the church is built on this idea that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God. This revelation, this, oh, I get to, I see this now. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. And then Jesus says about the church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will prevail against us. 
So we as a church, we individually, we follow Jesus. And then as a group, we're following Jesus. That we get to be a part of wonderful, amazing relationships that have a tremendous effect on our lives. And God calls us to do this. It's not something that we should think is optional. It's not something that we say, eh, I don't know if I want to have any, I don't know if I need any new friends or I'm not sure if I want any friends at all. Um, that when we have this commonality of following Jesus, some wonderful things that can happen in the context of friendship. And I think back, um, you know, in my life, uh, uh, friends that I met, you know, 25 years ago, uh, my wife and I at Bible school, over that same period of time, the friends that have been involved with my life for such a long period of time, there's been great exchanges that have happened over the years. Not that we see each other every week or sometimes every, maybe once or twice a year sometimes. But when you have those type of friendships, when you both are following Jesus, there's great things that can happen in the context of those relationships. First Corinthians chapter 1 says this, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together, with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, both their Lord and ours. So we see in these verses, uh, it says, to those sanctified in Christ. Sanctified just means set apart. That God has set apart us as the church, that we're called for his purposes. And then it says we're called to be saints together. Now, if you grew up Catholic, you know, you never thought you'd be qualified as a saint. You never thought you'd, you'd work enough miracles uh, to be called a saint. But in the New Testament, for all of those that follow Jesus, uh, they're called saints And then so it says about us, we're called to be saints together, not alone. We're not to be a lone wolf out there on our own. That when we follow Jesus, God calls us saints. And then there's something supposed to happen that we're supposed to get together with other saints. To do life together, not just to be off on our own. Uh, just, you know, trying to work life out on our own. And I know sometimes people have gone through um, difficulty in friendships and relationships. And you kind of get burned and then you kind of think, oh, I'm not sure if it's worth investing in any more friendships or relationships because you've been hurt. Uh, but I would say that it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk for all of the amazing things that can go on in the context of relationships. So we see this also in the New Testament church as it got started here in Acts chapter 2. Verse 41, and this is the message paraphrase, says this. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word, were baptized, were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. So here we have the, the New Testament church getting started. And what they do, they gathered together, then the apostles taught something. And then it says this. And then they did life together, the life together, and it says the common meal. That there's people in our lives that God has placed in our lives so that we can do life with each other. Now, when I say that phrase, that doesn't mean you have to see them for two hours every day or five hours every day. It just means somebody that you've got their back and they've got yours. And so it's not so much a frequency of when you can see them. You, I mean, you all know that good, mature relationships, um, you don't necessarily, you, if you could haven't seen somebody for a year or two years, you could pick up right where you left off because you have that good commonality, you have that good friendship. So God is calling us to do life with other people, not life on our own. 
And then it says the common meal. In other words, you eat together, you hang out together, and you uh, have all have experienced this at some point in life where you've sat down with people and, you know, you can have good conversation and you ask them questions, they ask you questions. You can have great discussions about life and different things and you can sit there and, you know, the time can pass for hours and hours. See, and this is what God is calling us to do within the context of a church family, that he's calling us, hey, we're going to listen to some teaching, but then we're also going to put it into action. We're not just going to hear something, and we're just not going to give uh, a rating to the preacher. Oh, Pastor Brent, you were a 7 out of 10 today, or you were 4 out of 10, so I'm not sure how good your sermon was. And then, you know, we, I mean, you can do that. It's a little bit of a waste of time. Uh, but what you should be doing, or what anybody should be doing, myself included, is how can I put into practice what I heard, and what I learned, and what I thought about. And all of this uh, really can be hashed out in the context of relationship. Because when you sit with someone and you talk with somebody, you can find out how they are following Jesus and, and how they're putting it to practice, how they're putting it to practice in their marriage and then as they work at their job or maybe a business or whatever the case may be. In the context of relationships, you can be inspired, you can be challenged. Finding out about how someone is working out their salvation in their lives. We're going to hear some teaching. Uh, we're going to do life together. I got your back. You got mine. And then we're going to sit together sometimes. And we're just going to eat together. We're just going to hang out together and genuinely care for each other. Genuinely want, love one another. And these are things that can all happen in the context of really good, healthy relationships. See, relationships provide a place for growth. Relationships provide a context for growth. I have uh, one friend that I'm thinking about that uh, we have a relationship like this. And once again, I, I sometimes I, it'll go a year or two when I don't see him. We'll talk on the phone sometimes. We'll text or we email each other. But whenever we get together, it's just like we never were apart. We have we can talk about so many things. And he does so many interesting things. Like he's he's a really he does ministry, but then he does business on the side. And any time I get to meet with him, I, I want to ask him a bunch questions about what he's doing so I can be challenged in my faith. And then I have another friend uh, who's a pastor that, you know, anytime I need something or I have a question about something or he's doing something at his church, I can email him or text him right away. And he's like, you know, responding right away and helping me. And see, all relationships, good, healthy relationships do that. They provide a wonderful context for growth and for help. Let's read about this here in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 14, talking about the church, and it says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. So here, as a part of the church... God is expecting us to grow. He's not wanting us to stay the same. Yes, we receive Jesus at a specific point in time and we say yes to a relationship with God. But we're not supposed to stay there. We're supposed to move on in our relationship with God. And one of the ways that we can do that is in the context 
of relationships. We see this here. Verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we know as ligaments support joints in our body, this is the way relationships are supposed to be. This is the analogy that when we get together, that God brings us together and then we're growing up and we're becoming mature. Now, what does it mean to be mature in Christ? Now, a very simple definition for you to think about is if we think about natural children, you know, if you have a toddler or a young child, what is the main, one of the main uh, exhibiting characteristics they have? A toddler, what do they have? They're very selfish. Have you ever noticed this? That everything is mine and everything is I want and everything is, you know, my way. You know, and even a, a toy that they're not interested in, if some other child grabs that toy, all of a sudden they're interested in that toy. Why? Because they're just selfishness is oozing out of every pore of their body. In the same way within church, sometimes people, you know, they come to church and everything, they're just very selfish. They want all the songs to be sung for them and they want all the style for them and they want the preacher to preach their, fav- their favorite sermon, blah, blah, blah. And if they don't get all these things they want, they're just going to be angry. Why? Because they're selfish. But the same way within the body of Christ, as we grow up in Christ, as we mature in Christ, we are going to become more and more unselfish. In other words, others-centered. That not only am I a part of, of the church and I'm a part of the local body so that I can worship God and I can hear some teaching, but I'm part of this local body so that I can be a friend to somebody. So as I mature in Christ, that I can actually provide something for somebody else in the context of a relationship, that I can be a ligament, that I can support somebody else, that I can do for somebody else as I mature in Christ. And we see this here. We're supposed to be growing up. We're supposed to be changing. And that's what growing does. Growing changes you. It's not, we're all not going to stay the same. We're going to grow up in Christ. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature. Everybody say mature. This is the goal. This is the goal of our teaching. This is the, the goal of our learning, our biblical understanding. This is the goal when we gather together so that we will be mature, that we will grow up in Christ, that we won't stay the same. Then Paul says this, For this toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So Paul, as he's writing to this church, he's wanting them to grow up and he's saying that what God has put on the inside of him as an apostle, as a pastor, as a teacher... That it's, it's put on the inside of him for a purpose so that other people will mature in Christ. But if we go back to verse 27, it says this phrase, um, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Christ in you, that word you is actually plural. It's not just Christ in you, an individual. It's Christ in us collectively. Christ in you all, a better way to say it. The hope of glory. So since Christ is in all of us, and then we are in relationship, or we have relationships with some good, healthy relationships, mutually beneficial relationships, mutually supporting relationships, we are going to mature and grow up. 
that I'm not only am I going to church today to worship and learn, but I'm also going there to be a blessing. I'm going to go there to smile at somebody, to shake somebody's hand, to welcome maybe somebody new to church. That I'm actually going to provide something as well as receive something because I'm growing up in Christ. See, wonderful things can happen. Wonderful amounts of learning can happen in the context of relationships. And we see this with Jesus. Uh, If we turn over to John chapter 6, we see that Jesus, you know, he came to the earth and he had a purpose to go to the cross. But he didn't just live life on his own, you know, sort of a hermit. He's like, you know, the son of God, but I'm going to live in the mountains by myself until it's time to go to the cross. And then I'll come down and, you know, go to the cross and be resurrected and sort of not, you know, touch anybody's life. No, he had a group of people that he lived life with. He had the, you know, the 12 apostles that we know about. And then we knew he, at one time he had a bigger following. He had about 70 disciples who he sent out two by two. And then maybe when the church got started in Acts chapter 2, there were about 120 people mentioned there. So Jesus had a group of people that he was doing life with, that he was having uh, relationships with, friendships with, and constantly training them and talking about different things. And we see this here in John chapter 6, verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain where, and there sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover of the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, he seeing this large crowd coming toward him saying, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Verse 6, he said this to them for he himself knew what he would do. He said this to test Philip, but he knew the answer. So Jesus is asking a question in the context of a relationship that he already knows the answer to. Now, why is he doing this? We try to find out, you know, what's on the inside of his disciples. And then also we're going to see here in a second, he's also going to do some training. He's also going to do some investing in them in the context of this relationship. Verse 7, Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each one, for them to get a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was so much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to them those who were seated, so also the fists, as much as they wanted. So this is the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Verse 12, And when they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So he asked them this question. He already knew the answer. But he was having a relationship. He was having, he was investing something in his disciples. See, and this is one of the great things that can happen in the context of any relationship where people are following Jesus. That we're finding out about how people are growing in their faith. When we have discussions, when we take time, when we slow down, when we have a meal with somebody, when we, we realize, you know, the people that we're doing life with at church. We can have those conversations and then we can be inspired. We can be challenged by how someone else is following Jesus, how someone else is putting their faith in Jesus. See, what happens to us, though, a lot of times 
is that we do like the other disciples here is like, well, you know, there's five loaves and two fish. But what is this for so many? See, this is what we think about our lives sometimes. Well, like, I don't know enough. You know, I haven't gone to Bible school. I haven't actually been in church that long. I'm not sure if I, my life is still kind of a bit messy. I'm not sure how strong my faith is in God. And we kind of put down our own individual faith journey. But the journey that you are on, how far you've come, can actually be a blessing to someone else if you will just get into relationship with somebody. See, we take that little bit, that little bit of bread and that little bit of fish, and when we put it in God's hands, it can be a miracle in someone else's life. But we have to take it and we have to give it away. How has God brought you to this point in life? What is your experience? What is your story? How have you trusted God? How have you come out of a mess or two? That's what you need to tell somebody in a relationship so they can be inspired, so that they can put their trust in God. Oh, it's just a little bit. It's not that important. I'm just going to tuck it and put it in my pocket. No, we're going to put it in God's hands. And then in God's hands, when he gives it out to somebody else, It'll be exactly what that person needs. But that takes a little bit of maturity. It takes a little bit of uh, risk. Am I going to share this story? Because part of the story for, for most of us is, you know, for a season of my life, I was kind of an idiot. Is that part of anybody's story? Okay, y'all lying in church. Is that part of anybody's story? You were kind of an idiot for a while and you messed up and you did this wrong. Yeah, but God brought me out. God corrected me. He changed my life. You know what? That's a bread and a fish that will feed somebody's life. But how is that going to come out? Well, you got to take a risk and you got to be somebody's friend. You can't just have, you know, I'm going into church and I'm going to sing and I'm going to put my head down and walk back to my car. No, I'll take a risk. Make a friend. If you, you know, got kids and city kids, when you're, you know, picking up your kids, say hello to somebody, meet somebody, get involved on a city team, get in a city group, do something. Know somebody. There aren't supposed to be any lone wolf Christians in the world. We're supposed to be part of the pack. There's a wolf pack. I know we're, I'm going crazy with this analogy right now. Um, <laughs> we're supposed to be part of a group. We're not supposed to be off on our own. Because wonderful things happen in the context of relationships. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 says this. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received... The word much in affliction, in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Here's an interesting portion of scripture. It talks about how uh, we are supposed to be imitators of the Lord, and then it continues and it says, and then we became an example. So I'm supposed to follow the Lord and change my life and, and, and move towards God. And then eventually I'm actually supposed to be an example to someone else that somebody else is actually supposed to follow me. This is a little bit scary for some of us. And I know my wife and I, we went through this, you know, with our, with our first child, 
you know, she was growing up and then you start to see in living color your deficiencies repeated in your child. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Certain ways that you are that you don't actually like and now all of a sudden your child is doing those things. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm ruining someone's life. I don't know that I can actually have somebody follow me. It's a little bit nerve-wracking. It's a lot of responsibility. But this is what God is calling us to do. And we will be energized if we do it. This is the idea that I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Christ. He is going to change me. He's going to grow me up. And then eventually someone else can actually follow me. And the bread and the fish that I have can actually be a blessing to someone that's coming after me. See, and this is what the Holy Spirit will empower us to do in the context of church family, in the context of church life. I've heard so many great stories about people who made friends, who made connections, you know, either serving or through groups or even just coming to church. It just makes such a wonderful difference in your life, taking that risk, having friends, being a friend to somebody else. This is what God is calling us to do. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 says this, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy. When the council of elders laid their hands on you, practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. See, in this portion of scripture, we see the vertical dimension of our relationship with God. You know, teaching and scripture and prayers and worship. But then there's also a really important horizontal part of our relationship with God. And it is our relationship with other people in the church. That we would be an example. That I'm going to follow after Jesus. But then I'm going to set an example for somebody else. That I'm going to mature and I'm going to grow up. And I'm not going to be so selfish. And I'm not just going to come to church just for me, 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 and my, 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 and I want, I want, I want. But we're going to be those ligaments for somebody else that we can support somebody else. And in the context of that, we will be energized. And we will receive back love. And we will receive back friendship when we give it out. Last verse. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. It says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever, whoever does not love abides in death. So here's the marker for us. How do we know that we've passed from death to life? How do we know that uh, salvation has taken place in our hearts? Uh, well, we're going to love the other people and brothers just means the other people that are following Jesus we have different backgrounds and we come from different places and we have different mothers but we've come together we've come together 
in Christ. And the marker for us that we know that we've received salvation is that we love each other. We're going to come up short sometimes. We're going, to, we're going to make mistakes sometimes. But we're going to take that risk. We're going to put ourselves out there. And we're going to love. Because in the context of relationships, growth can happen. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for the people that you have placed in our lives. Lord, that these people are not here by accident. The relationships that we have and the people that we know, that you have actually brought these people, Lord, into our lives. So we cherish them, Lord, and we care for them. And Father God, we are so thankful for the friends that you have given us, those people that support us, that help us, that challenge us, that inspire us to follow you. But especially, God, right now we pray and we ask, help us to see, Lord, the people that you have put in my life so that I can support them. Who are those people, Lord, that I can be a blessing to? Who are those people, Lord, that I can offer the loaves and the fish to? Who are the people, Lord, that can be assisted by my story? The things that I've gone through, the challenges that I've experienced and come out on the other side. Lord, help me to see who those people are so that I can invest into those friendships, so that I can invest into others' lives. I thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.